All right, good morning. Great to see you all here this morning. My name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Connect Church. And uh, maybe you're here this morning, you're visiting, maybe it's your very first time, in which case we're thrilled that you came to join us at Connect Church. Thanks a lot for coming. Uh, we're actually in the middle of a series right now, and this series is called Beyond Ordinary. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at what it would look like if instead of um, living ordinary, we chose to live beyond ordinary in the context of our relationships with one another. So every one of us is involved in some kind of relationship. It could be um, maybe, maybe you're a younger person here this morning. It's your parents, okay, or maybe it's some friends of yours. Maybe you're married here and it's your husband or your wife. Uh, it could be the people you work alongside, friends, siblings. And no matter what, all of us have some kind of relationship that we're a part of. So over these last few weeks, we've been talking about some aspects um, such as forgiveness and, and trust and honesty and encouragement and different relational tools that if we choose to, to follow them in a beyond ordinary way, it could really change the way we relate to one another. And uh, if you're interested in hearing those messages, if you missed them, uh, they're available on our website to download at um, connectwashington.org. There's a podcast you can subscribe to, to also. But... Um, I'll be honest with you this morning, what I want to speak about today, it's going to tie into the idea of beyond ordinary, but it wasn't in my original plan. It wasn't in the original set of um, relational aspects that I wanted to talk about. But as I've been moving through this series, this, this thought has kind of been in the back of my mind, and I felt like it would be a good time to share it here at Connect Church. We're, we're over a year old now. Um, we're about 14 months old. We've, we've grown over the last few months. We've got a baptism service coming up in a few weeks' time. So this, this idea has been in the back of my mind that I want to share because it really goes right the way back to the very core of what we wanted to inject into the DNA of Connect Church. And as the pastor of the church, I, really, I don't ever want us to drift away from that. I want that to be the, 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 the highest held value of our church. So it does tie in with relationships because it really kind of ties in with, with how we relate to one another. But the subject I want to look at this morning is what I've called beyond ordinary Christianity. Beyond ordinary Christianity. So I'll start out this morning with a little um, um, kind of uh, note here at the beginning for you. And that is that um, if you're here this morning and you're a visitor, or you're a guest, uh, maybe you've been coming for a few weeks, and you've not made a decision, you're here and, and, and you're not a follower of Jesus, you wouldn't class yourself as a Christian, you know, that's great, we're so glad you're here, we, we pray that you'll keep on coming back again and again. But you're going to pass this morning, okay? You're going you're to buy, because what I'm speaking about this morning really is to those of us here this morning who have made a decision to follow Jesus, those of us here this morning have said, you know what, I would, I would identify myself as a Christian, somebody who lives to follow Jesus, lives to follow his commands. And if that's you here this morning, even the last few weeks as we've been talking about um, what it means to be beyond ordinary, it's, it's, for many of us, they're great ideas on how we can live our lives. If we're a follower of Jesus, they're biblical ideas. These are things that Jesus himself taught, or maybe Paul in the New Testament, and, and they're not really suggestions. They are, they are um, guidelines that God has put in place because he knows us best, and he knows that they will affect our lives the most. So what does it mean to, to be a beyond ordinary Christian? Well, I bet if I went around the room, many of us would, would list different things. You know, well, maybe it's somebody who prays more than um, someone else. Maybe it's somebody who, you know, comes to both services on a Sunday morning. I mean, that's beyond ordinary. I go to the first service and the second service. You know, we might come up with all sorts of different ideas. But I'm actually going to venture to share that it might be something that we wouldn't have thought of. 
but I think is, it really should be ordinary, but for many of us, it becomes beyond ordinary. So to set yourself up for that, I want to tell you a story uh, just to give you an idea of where I'm going with this. This story involves uh, Casey and I. It was a couple of years ago. Um, we were living here in town, but we were on staff at another church in Peoria. And some friends of ours that lived in our neighborhood, they'd been invited to a, a Christmas party at a neighbor's house. And they called us up and they were like, we don't know anyone that's going to be there. Would you come with us? This is kind of weird. You know, the neighbors across the street, they want to do this big kind of gathering and we don't know anyone and you kind of live nearby. So why don't you come with us? I'm like, yeah, that'd be cool. We'll, we'll come. So Case and I, we went along with our friends. And, and as the evening went on and I started talking to different couples that I met and different people that I met, um, it became quite clear as I was meeting all these wonderful people that um, I don't think any of them or, or maybe few of them really were churchgoers themselves. Uh, I don't know from what they were saying that maybe they were followers of Jesus. And, and one of the hints was that two times that night, not just once, but twice, um, someone asked me what I did for a living. One of the guys, you know, I'd be talking to, said, what do you do for a living? i say, I'm a pastor. They'd say, no way. Now, that's not actually exactly what happened. It wasn't quite like that because they didn't say no way. Uh, they used another word. It was uh, no... And it was a different word. It was a four-letter word, not a three-letter word. And that's all I'm going to say for the uh, sake of our junior leaders who are here this morning. But um, twice in the same evening when I introduced myself and said I'm a pastor, the response was, no way. Or something like that. And I'm like, wow, maybe not a churchgoer. <laughs> you know, maybe not a, a follower. Not wanting to judge here. But as the night went on, it became quite apparent that, that many of these folks, you know, probably weren't getting up the next morning to go to church. Now, for me, I liked that. You know, I was on staff at a church. I spent 40 or 50 hours working with other people who were on staff at the church. Most of them were Christ followers. Actually, no, all of them were Christ followers. They worked for a church. But, um, you know, so I'm, I'm amongst all these Christians all week long. So for me, it was good to kind of get out and meet some people that maybe weren't followers of Jesus. Because for me, I was passionate about that. And for us here at Connect Church, that was kind of in the very DNA of what we wanted Connect Church to be. You see, when we established Connect Church, Casey and I um, and some, some other great leaders who kind of joined us at the very beginning, we had this real heart, this real passion, this real desire that we wanted to um, launch a new church in Washington that would reach what we called unchurched people. Unchurched people. So that would be people that, that weren't currently in a church. We also said that maybe it would be de-churched people. De-churched people would be somebody who maybe they, they grew up in church. Maybe as a child they went to church or a teenager. But for whatever reason, whatever life's brought their way, for some reason they now no longer attend church. And, and that was our heartbeat. We really wanted to reach those people. I can remember meeting with some pastors here in Washington over coffee and saying, Hey, I'm Dave Jane. We're going to be starting this new church. And I want to assure you, hand on heart, my desire is to reach people in Washington. Because I've met them. I was at a party with some of them a few weeks ago. You know, I, I know there are people here who don't have a church home of their own, who don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. That's who we're trying to reach. So if we're a year old and our church has grown to like 200 people, but there are four churches in Washington that have shrunk by 50 people each, I said this to every pastor I met. I said, then I won't have done what I set out to do. We don't want to grow as a church at the expense of other churches. We want to grow as a church because we want to reach people who don't know Jesus. That is our desire. And that was right in the very DNA, right at the beginning. Now we're, we're 14 months on, and in this series, Beyond Ordinary, I felt like I wanted to kind of bring that back to the surface again and just remind us of that. 
Because I honestly believe that, that somebody who's a beyond ordinary Christian is somebody who says, listen, I feel that, you know, I have a responsibility to grow in my relationship with God, to pray, to be a part of the local church, all of these things. But, but there's another thing that I'm responsible to do, and that's I, I need to be the person that maybe connects some of my friends that don't know Jesus, some of my friends that um, we, we might class as maybe unchurched or dechurched people, that's my responsibility to, to connect them to the Jesus that I've discovered, that Jesus has made a difference in my life. And, you know, this isn't something that's, you know, you have to dig around in the Bible and try and find if it's there and really study hard on this one verse that if you read it a certain way, you could. I mean, this is like, I think, pretty clear in the Bible. You know, there are four accounts of Jesus' life. We call them the Gospels. They were written by four people, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the interesting thing about the Gospels is that um, every one of them is a little bit different. They don't contradict each other, but basically what you've got is you've got four individuals' recollection or four individuals' telling of the story of the life of Jesus. So some remember some events that others don't, and some will talk about miracles or teachings that others leave out. Luke goes into a lot of detail about the birth of Jesus, and, and some of the other Gospel writers don't go into so much detail. So when you put the four of them together, you get this really wonderful overall picture of the life of Jesus. But you know, there's a few things that show up in each four Gospels. And when that happens, in my mind, I think, man, that must be something that Jesus said, listen, when, when you're writing about me, when you're telling the story of my life, make sure that this goes in. Or maybe the Gospel writers, they knew Jesus so well that they knew we cannot leave this out because this is what he was all about. Matthew writes, we're going to read it together, but it's in all four of the Gospels. Listen to what Matthew says in 18, verses 19 and 20. He says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Here Jesus is saying, listen, I want you to go out and tell others about me. Tell others about the difference that I've made in your life. And it's so important that we find it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So you'd think, wouldn't you, that, that if it was that important, if that was such a, a big command that all four gospel writers determined that they were going to put in, you'd think that really that would set us up to be ordinary Christians, ordinary followers of Jesus. We'd just want to tell our friends, we'd want to share what God's done in our lives. But the sad truth is that, that for some, living a life like that, doing something like that, it actually becomes more beyond ordinary. And here's why, and, and some of you may be new to Connect, and maybe this is the first church you've ever attended, and you would be thinking, Dave, I'm not sure what you're talking about, because I'm telling everyone I know about Jesus. I, I, I love what he's done in my life. I tell my friends, I tell my neighbors, I, I talk about Connect Church, I invite them to Connect Church. So. But here's what I've experienced in my life following Jesus. I've experienced, you know, in, in churches that I've been a part of, that the longer you go on in your relationship with Jesus... The longer you go on following Christ, so, so the more friends you tend to make who are like-minded with you. You tend to, to gather more amongst other people that are followers of Jesus too. And, and before you know it, some of those old friends, you know, you, you kind of don't stay in touch with them as much. And now you've got these new friends in the church. And, and before you know it, we can kind of create this, this subculture where we're all followers of Jesus and it's great and we love getting together and eating together and, and visiting with one another and talking about how wonderful it is and, you know, talking about our family and our friends and, and what we learn in the Bible. But before we know it, we've, we've kind of become further and further apart that, that we don't have some of those friends anymore that aren't followers of Jesus. 
So for Casey and I, that was something we didn't want to happen. So we, you know, we intentionally were um, going to this party, you know, living our lives, trying to make those connections with friends and families and neighbors who we would call unchurched or dechurched people. Because that was in the core of, of Connect Church. And we don't want to drift away from that as time goes on. So, so maybe for some, that that's, would be called beyond ordinary Christianity. But I think it's a challenge we can all aspire to. Paul talked about it as well. Listen to what Paul said when he wrote a, a letter to the church um, in Colossia, the, the Colossians. He wrote it in Colossians chapter 4, verses 3 to 6. Listen to the challenge he gave those people and, and us too. He says, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. Now, do you want to know what's crazy? He's writing this from a prison cell. If I was in prison, I'd be saying, God, here's the door I want you to open. That one with the bars on it across the window. Could you open that door? But instead of saying, yeah, pray for me and get me out of prison, he would say, no, here's, if, if I had to ask for one thing, here's, the, here's the, most thing, the thing I'm most passionate about. Pray for me that God would open a door for the message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. This is the guy that wrote more than half the New Testament. He wrote, the, he wrote to the Romans the most clear explanation of, of God and faith to a, to a people that weren't used to this. This is a guy who got things, who was, who was clear, and yet still Paul is saying, help me. Help me speak this message with clarity. Help me be clear when I share with people about Jesus. I want to be as clear as possible. I want everyone to understand who Jesus is and what he can do in their lives. Let your conversation Sorry, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Don't just talk about it, live it. Let people see the difference Jesus has made in your lives. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I love that thought there as, as Paul is talking to the church, and, and I believe the message is still as strong to the church today. Let your conversation be always full of grace. When you're talking to people who don't know Jesus, when you're talking to people who are, who are far from Christ, let your conversation be full of grace. Tell them how much God loves them. Tell them um, how precious they are. Just let it be full of grace and mercy and love. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I look at the church today and I look at whether it's Facebook or the internet or the guys outside the stadiums with signs, and, and you'd think by what you read and what you see, that they read the verse the following way, let your conversation be always full of judgment. But Paul says, let your conversation be full, always full of grace. And he says, seasoned with salt. I love that idea. He says, seasoned with salt. So Paul's saying, hey, listen, don't, don't water it down. You know, there will be times where you have to say, hey, I, I believe that Jesus taught this. Or I believe in the Bible, it, it says this, you know, but it's, it's a season and it's, it's, it's on top of the grace that's already been poured out. And I love that idea that, that we as followers of Jesus, we're, we're commanded here, we're called to be people that live our lives of, of grace with people that we meet who don't know Jesus. And not afraid to season it with salt, but I tell you what, I'd rather have a meal that was a wonderful meal and a little salt seasoned on it than a whole bunch of salt just thrown in my face or a whole bunch of salt just rammed down my throat. And I think that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, hey, listen, there'll be times for some seasoning, but just let your conversation be full of 
grace so that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul's saying, listen, I'm here in a prison cell. But if you could pray for me, if, if, if you're asking what my prayer request is, here it is. Pray that I will be able to communicate this message clearly. Pray that I have more opportunities to share this message. Paul was traveling all over that, um, that area at that time, just sharing the message of what Jesus can do in the lives of people. He says, pray for me that I have more and more opportunities to do that. And, and that's what beyond ordinary Christianity looks like. It's like that's just welling up inside of you, saying, I want people to know what God has done in my life. You know, one of my heroes in the church is a man by the name of Bill Hybels. Uh, he started a church up in the northwest suburbs of Chicago about 30 years ago called Willow Creek. And that church has grown and grown and grown over the years. And it's an amazing story of what God's doing there. But when he first started the church, it was to reach people who were far from Christ. In fact, their vision is that Willow Creek exists to reach people that are far from Christ. Well, fast forward 30 years, this church is now a, a, a massive uh, building up there in Chicago. They have like over 20,000 members. They make an incredible impact in the community in which they are in, around the whole world. They're meeting the needs of under-resourced families. They're doing missions work. They're doing such a lot of incredible things as a church. People are growing their relationship with Christ. There are small groups. There's, there's great teaching. But you know what? 30 years later, the size the church is, you could still go and talk to one of those members and say, you know, what's Willow Creek about? And they would say, you know what it's about? We're here to reach people that are far from Christ. How does a church hold on to that vision for so long as it grows to become so big? How does a church never lose sight of the vision that that's what we're here for, is to reach people that are far from Christ? I think it's because it's lived out daily by Bill Hybels, their lead pastor. So I want to show you a video here this morning of a story of something that took place in his life. And uh, it's a bit of a longer video, but I just think it will really apply well in this morning's message. So check this out. Cabinet, right? I remember when our son Todd wanted to play soccer. And we signed him up for a Park District Soccer League. And then we went to his first practice. I was anxious to see what kind of coach he would have. And the minute I met Brian, I could tell Todd was going to have a ball on this team. My oldest son, uh, Jason, at five years old, uh, decided he, was, uh, he wanted to play soccer. At that point, I decided to start coaching soccer, and, uh, and Bill's son, uh, Todd, ended up on my team. And that's how the relationship started. Uh, Brian was a, an area business guy. He ran an excavation company and uh, filled with energy, loved soccer, uh, loved to train and inspire young guys. And I knew Todd was in for quite a ride uh, if he was going to play for Brian. you got to make uh, practice interesting. It's something that uh, could be monotonous if uh, you don't do the things right. So we'd have, uh, we'd intermingle games with the practices. Well, I did what other soccer parents do when their kids are out playing soccer. Uh, Lynn and I and Shauna would stand on the sidelines and cheer on uh, Todd and the, his teammates. And there were other Willow Creek parents whose children were playing in that same league. And so it became very comfortable for us to just stand with other Willow Creekers. And we discussed things that were going on in the church and in our relationships while our kids were playing soccer. And then one day when the game ended, uh, I was going to turn and walk with this group of Creekers back to our cars. And I had just this kind of prompting from the Holy Spirit 
uh, as I saw Brian out in the distance picking up soccer balls and putting cones and equipment away all by himself, uh, the prompting I got was, uh, go out and help that guy. Walk out to the center of the soccer field and offer to help him, shake his hand, maybe you could get to know him a little bit. And I remember there was just a moment where I had to make a decision if I was going to stay in that little comfortable group and walk back to the cars with the other church people or kind of venture out and pay attention to that prompting that I figured was from God. When I first met Bill, our, uh, our relationship was kind of a surface uh, relationship where we'd talk about the boys and the games and uh, how the team was doing. After that, uh, it would be quite common for me to help him pick up balls after practice or after a game and we got just a little friendship started and one day because we had a holiday service coming up at Willow I thought well why not just take a shot and kind of uh, subtly invited me to Willow which at that point in my life uh, I wasn't really interested in Brian gave me a very clear-cut no when I invited him to church uh, it, it wasn't disrespectful or unkind, but it was direct and unequivocating. He, no, I'm not interested in that. It, you don't need to bring it up a second or a third time was kind of the indication he gave to me. Uh, we can be friends on the soccer field. Don't drag God or church into it. And I thought I'm going to have to be a little careful. There, there's something going on here that I don't know about, but I have to respect his sensitivity to my asking him questions about church. Up till about 18, till I went away to college, I, I was a, a tender of a church and an avid reader of the Bible. I kind of fell away and it didn't, uh, it didn't seem to matter anymore. So that's why my interest wasn't there. I think if I would have brought the subject up again to Brian, if I would have maybe come on too strong or continually repeated my invitation for him to come to church, I think it would have created a chasm and probably put our friendship at risk. Just wasn't the right thing to do. When Bill's son, uh, Todd, left the program, uh, my relationship with Bill kind of uh, was sidelined temporarily. At that point uh, in my life, about three years later, my marriage was kind of on the rocks. I had made an investment in uh, some uh, a business that uh, uh, totally demolished me financially. When my assistant, Gene, told me that Brian Anderson was trying to get in touch with me, I remember not even remembering exactly who that was. And I thought for a moment, wait a minute, the only Brian Anderson I even recollect was, I believe, the, the man who used to coach Todd in soccer. And I thought, he coached my son for three years, and he's only asking for a conversation for me. The least I can do to honor what he did for my son was to agree to meet with him. So I said, come on over and let's meet. At my low point when I uh, was going through the uh, potential divorce and uh, potential bankruptcy, I uh, kind of sat down by myself and said, who do I have to turn to in this? I knew my family wasn't a Christian family. So I really didn't have anybody to turn to, and I wanted to go to an outsider, somebody who uh, had a, uh, a view of what was uh, of life other than what I had. And that's the reason I turned to uh, 
Bill. About five minutes into the conversation with Brian, he just unloaded about what was happening in his life, and it was not pretty. Uh, he had serious marital issues going on, strain in the family, and I remember looking across my desk thinking, this is a guy in deep, deep trouble. And then he got to that point and he said, what do you think I should do? Um, I, I'm at the end of my role. What should I do? And that's when I got another prompting from the spirit. That, you know, you can go two ways in a moment like that. You can sympathize and empathize and, and say, what a terrible situation and let's pray and, and I'll try to wrap my arms around you and encourage you somehow. And that's certainly a, a valid approach to take in certain circumstances. But there's another, maybe higher risk approach, and I am uh, very careful whenever I use it. I want to make sure that God's guiding me in this, but I felt God was. And I said, Brian, I think this trouble is all of your making. He, he came straight on and told me the truth, in which I think that's one thing I was looking for. Sizing up the kind of guy he was, he's a tough guy. He's from the south side of Chicago, and I thought he might need kind of that straight shot of truth right between the eyes. If I would have gone to anybody else, they would have sympathized with me and said, here, but he told me straight face, you, you made a mistake in the way you were going in life. He says you were looking at the world and not at God. I could tell that my response uh, began a kind of breaking process in him. He sat there quietly. He could have gotten up and stormed out. Uh, but he just let it soak in, and I think we met three times. We kind of followed up on it a few times, and then after that, he just sort of faded from the scene. I didn't know if he was just going to go back and jump into the same kind of life that he was in or if he was going to try to maybe take an, a new approach. I just didn't know and lost track of him for many, many months after that. Well, it wasn't a uh, overnight process by any means. The 180 that I that I took it was a process that uh, took probably a, a good year to uh, to go through. I um, went home one night and I was reading the Bible and I said, I said it's, it's time for me to make the uh, the move. I mean, uh, totally commit myself to Christ and uh, be who uh, who I should be and who the Lord wanted me to be. I knew at that moment. Uh, my life would change forever. Yeah, the new Brian, it's just unbelievable. I mean, it, when you knew the old one, and now you see the new one. My life has gone through an unbelievable change. I've, uh, I met a woman uh, around five years ago who I eventually brought to Christ, went through the whole uh, marriage ministry program. Both my wife and I are involved in the marriage ministry right now. That's how much we liked it, and that's how much it did for us. They're helping other couples uh, build Christ-centered marriages, and that just blows my mind again that Brian Anderson would be involved in something like that. And then more recently, he's developed a heart for the under-resourced. I'm in a construction business, and we do a, a lot of work in the inner city, and God's been prompting me to start building houses for the under-resourced. He could be making a lot more money doing other kinds of projects. I never get tired of watching God transform a human life. For a long time in my life, I used to say, hey, God, thank you for leading me to Bill and bringing me to uh, uh, Willow Creek because it's totally changed my life, totally changed my life.
Isn't that an awesome story? And I think it's pretty clear, isn't it, what the, uh, the challenge from that story is, what the message is that he's trying to say, and that is that if you're here this morning and you're a parent, you need to be having your kids play soccer. They need to, that's, that's, the, that's the message, I think, of that video, that parents, you've got to get your kids. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, get them in soccer, it's great. Um, it's just, it's, what I love about that story is that even though he's the pastor of the church, it was just a natural relationship that developed. There was no forcing, there was no, you know, um, like really kind of judging or preaching or anything like that. It was just a friendship that developed over time. If I even loved the, the fact that he said, you know, I could tell that there was something in this guy's past where if I push this too much, it actually might force a chasm. But he just had that, that commitment. And that idea that this all started because one day he made a decision, instead of walking away with his friends who, who other church families were headed back to their cars, he turned around and there was a guy out there picking up the cones. He thought, I'm going to go and help that guy. I'm going to, I'm going to go and start a, a connection with that person over there. You know, Casey and I, I as I said earlier, we, we had this desire, especially being on church staff, you know, our, our uh, friends outside of the church were few, so, so we, uh, we actually chose uh, several years ago to sign our boys up for a soccer team here in town, and uh, it was great. We loved it. Um, I, I found out since then from the people that were involved in that soccer program that um, word got out when we joined, and uh, there, was, there was this kind of buzz around the team, the, the parents, that there's a pastor whose kids are going to be playing soccer now. And I think there was kind of a little bit of, um, uh-oh, how's this going to change things? Are we going to have to behave ourselves now? You know, we have to clean up our ex a bit. Is there going to be like a prayer before every game? Is he going to want to sing a hymn at halftime? You know, what does that mean, having a, a pastor whose kids play soccer? You know, and, and maybe they were thinking, hey, we may start doing better. You know, we, we got God on our side. You know, we better start winning some games now. So I don't know what it was, but we kind of got in there and we, we started to build some relationships with, with great families. And I think they realized that even pastors are pretty normal people. So, uh, and we just started to make some really good friendships. And of all those families we met, there was, there was two in particular that really kind of struck a great relationship with. And we just started over time, Casey and I, to, to get real friendly with their families. And, and we connected one with the other and... Just a real neat time as we got to know these families. They knew what we believed, and we were able to share with both of these families, neither of whom really were connected to a church, uh, neither of whom would say that they were living their lives at that time following Jesus. And it was just a great experience to, to be involved with them and see that happen. And, and when we came to launch Connect Church, you know, one, one of those families got involved very early on, and then another family started to come. And, and I'm thrilled to say this morning that, that both of those families are now fully involved, fully committed to, to Connect Church. They're here. Their, uh, their lives are changed. They're living differently. Jesus is making a difference in their lives. Their kids are in Connect Kids, learning about God. And it's just so awesome to see that just through that friendship, they were able to come here. But for some here this morning, you're thinking, yeah, but Dave, that's, that's kind of beyond ordinary. I'm not sure, as a follower of Jesus, that I could do that. You've shown me a video of a man who, who passes a church with 20,000 people. I mean, obviously, he's going to be good at that. You know, you get up there every Sunday, you talk about the Bible, and you're saying, I've got to go and tell my friends, I'm not even sure how many disciples there are. What if I get that wrong? What if I say 13 and it's actually 12? You know, I don't know if I, if I can talk to my friends about Jesus because I don't know if I've... And we come up with these reasons why we don't think that we can reach out to others, but the reality is that... For that, that, that DNA of Connect Church to stay strong, it's going to mean that we're going to have to say, God, I want you to use me. And, and maybe there's a friend I've got here who doesn't know Jesus the way I know him. 
And I've got this relationship with God. And, and maybe, God, this is an opportunity for me to help join these two hands. Maybe this is an opportunity, God, over time for me to help connect God to this person. That they could see, they could experience what God has done in my life. But I think we hit one of two obstacles that I want to challenge here this morning. I think the first obstacle is that we come up with this thought that I couldn't do that. We look at, you know, pastors or we look at even people in the church. I've got some wonderful people here at Connect who are just so natural at this. There's, there's one lady I'm thinking of in particular. Every time I see her, she's here and she's, she's introduced me to someone. Oh, Dave, this is so-and-so. I met them in Kroger's last week and I was just telling them about Connect Church and here they are. I'm like, awesome, Dave, this is, I met them at the gym last week and I just started to tell them about it and here they are. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I can think of another lady who every time I talk to her, she's telling me a story about how she was with someone in the store last week and they got talking about something and she was going through a trial. She said, can I pray with you? And right there in the store, she just started to pray with this lady. And I think sometimes we look at people like that and we think, I'm just not naturally gifted like that. They just, they just seem to do it very naturally. And they do it. It's a very natural way in which they do it. So we say, well, I can't do that because I'm not like that person. But I don't think we have to be like that person. I think it's just making that decision to say, God, I want to be used by you. If there's an opportunity for me to help connect this person to you, then, then help me be used by you. My first step I'm going to take is say, God, I'm willing I'm willing to be that person if you'll help me. You know, for Case and I, with these families, these friends of ours, we made a commitment. Um, there was actually a series going on at our church, and they were talking about reaching people um, who were outside of the church. And the challenge at the end was they gave out these cards. They said, write down the names of some families and pray for those families. So we did that. These two families, we, we wrote down their names. And as a family, not just Casey and I, the kids, we would pray regularly for these families. We pray saying, God, prepare their hearts. Let them know you. God, give us opportunities to speak. When Paul said, he said, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. That's what we prayed. God, give us the opportunities to, to speak with grace, to, to know the opportunity to answer everyone. What we did was we became their go-to people of faith. Here's what I mean by that. When I say we became their go-to people, every one of us has got a go-to person in some context. Maybe for you, it's the person you call when your car's making that odd noise. And I know there's a few of you here, you know exactly what it is, but most of you haven't got a clue. So you're on the phone going, hey, should my car be making this noise? Maybe it's a friend of yours who's in the medical profession, and, and I apologize this morning here if you're a nurse or you're a doctor, and you've had those calls from friends where they're like, so I got this rash can I send you a picture of it and see if I should be worried? <laughs> that, but, but some of us do that. You know, we've got these, these friends, you know, and we, um, we go to them. Maybe it's your computer's not working. You've got this friend who's just great on computers or your iPhone, you can't figure out the settings, and you know, well, we can become that person when it comes to matters of faith. We can become that person when it comes to matters of things of the spirit, spiritual world. You know, he said in that video, didn't he, the guy, that when... Um, when life was going bad for him, he couldn't turn to his family. They weren't, he knew that he needed help from God. And the one friend he'd had all those years was Bill Hybels. And he turned to him and said, listen, could I meet with you? It may just be that you're positioning yourself to be that go-to person when the opportunity arises. They know they can turn to you because you've loved them and you've had a great friendship with them. But you know, this morning, maybe it's not that you couldn't do that. Maybe the obstacle this morning is that for some of us, I don't want to do that. Because if we're really honest with ourselves, that may be the obstacle. You know, that pastor, Bill Hybels, he was sharing a message. It was called, Just Walk Across the Room. 
And the idea was that sometimes it's a case of literally just walking across the room to begin a friendship, walking across the soccer fields, walking across the office, walking across the street to introduce ourselves to a neighbor, whatever it may be that helps us connect to those people. But in that message that he called, just walk across the room, he tells this story about how one day he was walking from the mailbox back to his house. He'd pulled all the mail out, and as usual, there was, uh, there was relevant mail and there was junk mail. So he would always make a point of going through the garage because that's where the garbage cans were, and he would drop off all the catalogs in the garbage before they even got into the house. He said, it saves me a fortune. If I can get those in the garbage before my wife sees them, it saves me a ton of money. So there he is. He's dropping these catalogs in one by one, and there's another postcard there that he said would come through in the mail maybe two, three, every couple of weeks, and on it was a picture of two children's faces, and it said, missing children, have you seen this child? He said, I got those things so often that I didn't really think about it. I just dropped that in the mail with the rest of the junk mail. He said, and I watched it. It kind of floated down to the bottom of the garbage kit, and there were these two faces looking up at him. He said, and I walked back into the house. And as I walked back into the house, he said, he felt that God kind of whispered this thought to him and said, really? You can just drop those faces in the garbage and not give it a second thought? And he said he responded to God. He said, God, I, I know I should think differently, but... They're not my kids. They're not my kids. If, if those two pictures were my children, believe me, I would sell everything I had. I would quit my job. I would not stop until I found my children if they were missing. I would do everything in my power to find them. But he said, I'm, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I don't feel like that because they're not my kids. He said he felt like God just responded and said, you know, Bill, when I look at creation and I see all of mankind." They're all my kids. Whether they choose to follow me or not, they are all my kids. And when I look down, I see those faces. It breaks my heart because those are my kids. And they don't know me the way you know me. And if we're here this morning, we're a follower of Jesus. Maybe like Bill Hybels was saying in that message, we need to say, God, would you help me to see mankind the way you see them? See how much you love people? Because God loves them so much. He wants to come and he wants to change their lives. Because at the beginning of Connect Church, our desire was to reach unchurched people. It was great to see as we started to grow these families and these people coming in who, who didn't have a church home beforehand. One of my highlights will always be our very first baptism service and seeing many of those people share stories of how God had transformed their lives. We've got another baptism service coming up in a couple of weeks. And uh, before I tell you about that, just check out, I've got a story I want to show you from our last baptism video. We had like a six-minute video, and I didn't have time to show it all this morning. So I just pulled one person's story. So take a look at this. My daughter had come home from school. She um, has some friends at school that go to church, and she um, wanted to learn more about Jesus and God. And this is always something that I thought that we were missing, but never, I can't get hold of myself, that we were missing in our life, but we never took the step to go as a family. It was just relaxed, welcoming. I don't know, it was very inviting. And Caitlin went to connect kids, and when she got in the car, she, she was just so happy. and. I don't know, I just felt like this was something we were gonna do. We're gonna stick with this and this is what we need in our life. 
I just feel like it's the final commitment that I have to make. I just know that I need I need him in a lot of in a lot of ways in my life. So. I love that video. I love that story. I love the representation of the, the change that took place in that lady's life. And it's just, it reminds me all the time that there are others who maybe that we're connected to, that God wants to make that same kind of change in their lives. You know, on the subject of baptism, um, just let me remind you, in a few weeks' time, November 9th, we're having another baptism service. And if you're here at Connect and, and you've never been baptized, I want to challenge you to, to, to talk to God. Say, God, should I get baptized? Because I think it's a commandment. I think the Bible says that, you know, Jesus said, repent and be baptized. And when we do that, it's, it's our way of um, demonstrating publicly the difference that Jesus has made in our lives. So if you've not been baptized and you'd like to be baptized, we have a sign-up sheet at the back there on the table. And by signing up, all you're committing to is the class where we'll talk more about what baptism means and, and how it works. And then at that class, you can decide if that's something you want to do. But if you're thinking about that, if God has made a difference in your life and you've not been baptized, then, then sign up. It's a great way to, to let everyone know, friends, family, people here at Connect, the difference that God has made in your life. But for us to um, keep that DNA at the very center of Connect Church, to reach families like the lady in that video, to reach guys like the, the, the soccer coach in that video, the people that we're in connection with outside of Connect, the people whose lives we're involved in, it may mean that some of us have to make a, a stand to become a beyond ordinary Christian to say, God, I know I'm not going to be standing on a table preaching, but just help me to live my life alongside these people, being ready to answer questions they may have, pray with them in a time they may need prayer, talk to them, maybe just invite them along to a service, but whatever it may be, God, don't let me get so caught up in this that I forget the world in which you've called me to be and the people in whose lives you want to make a difference. Should we pray this morning together? Father, I pray, you know, we're talking about beyond ordinary relationships, God, and the reality is that every one of us have many relationships. Some of them are with uh, friends, Jesus, who come to connect, who love you, and those relationships at times are easy because we can get together, we all agree on the same things. But there are other relationships that we find in our lives, Lord, that maybe these people aren't followers of Jesus. Maybe those relationships at times aren't as easy Maybe there are things we disagree on and uh, lifestyles that are different. But God, I pray in Jesus' name that we would realize that, just like Paul said, we've, we've got a great opportunity to, to share the word, to share what Jesus has done in our lives. That we may well be the person who, who takes them by the hand and takes you by the hand and joins the two together. So help us, Lord, to live intentionally like that, to realize that um, in our neighborhood, in our community, amongst our friends, we can be... Uh, introducing someone to you, we can be helping make the difference in their lives. Uh, help us to do that, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.